Hello and welcome to the New Frontier podcast. Um, very excited to have our first ever guest on the show. But before, before I introduce him, I, uh, I want to mention to everybody in the standard podcast format that we, uh, we have an incredible guest now booked out every single week until the end of March, including Kelsey from Lunch of Norm, Gary from the seller, uh, Seven Figure Seller Summit, Kevin King, and much more. And next week, we're going to do an in-depth analysis of Rufus and AI search on marketplaces. So please hit uh, the follow or subscribe button to get these in your feeds. Um, but yeah, done with that bit. So welcome, Harry. <laughs> Harry Gill, uh, one of my best friends. Um, eight years strategy director in BBH. He's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, including Google, uh, Samsung, and Heineken. So, Harry, welcome. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm tired. We live next. We live in a build in like a tower block of very small flats, and our neighbour has an Alsatian and a newborn baby, and we don't really get on. So, yeah, last night wasn't great. But I'm very excited to be here. AI is great. Let's chat about it. <laughs> As we'll get into, yeah. I mean, I've stayed. I've stayed in uh, your flat. I think once. <laughs> In my in my kind of like founder story, hopefully one day, staying in Harry's flat is kind of a big part of it. When I've been to New York, sleeping on the floor, in between the doorway and the toilet, um, it's a lovely. So it's a struggle that we've been through. Um, <laughs> Joe, how are you? I'm all right. Yes, I am. I'm pretty chuffed that it's Friday. I have to say, it's been a very long week, so I'm ready for. The weekend and not talking or thinking about ai like <laughs> fuck AI for the weekend i can't take it anymore but anyway we're very excited <laughs> it's gonna be great hour. <laughs> it's gonna be great right so uh i mean shall we shall we get on with this because i'm i'm quite excited to hear about harry he's not my best friend but hopefully maybe in the future who knows um but harry and uh, so you work for a very very famous uh, creative agency but um i'm not gonna ruin it all like who is bbh and what do they do yeah for sure so bbh is a advertising agency founded in london in kind of the early 1980s and essentially i think they're built on this kind of idea of the power of difference to make a difference so there's loads of crap advertising i'd say advertising is like a lot of it's like a sewer, really. Like, let's say 80% of advertising is not very good um, and it's not serving brands particularly well. And I think an issue of that is that a lot of it is just very samey. So you're just producing things that look exactly like everyone else is producing. It doesn't really offer the viewer anything. It's not particularly exciting and it's not very memorable. And so BBH is kind of founded on this philosophy that actually, if you really kind of take stock of kind of what culture looks like at the moment, what the kind of commercial world looks like at the moment, and you find most points of difference, you find what's truly different about your brand, what's kind of intrinsic to the DNA, that is what's going to make your brand kind of go to that next level. And that's what's going to help your kind of marketing and your commercial side grow. So it's all around this idea of difference, which I think makes it very interesting, actually, as a philosophy to enter into this world of AI, which is all about kind of taking everything, you know, the, the power of the crowd, you know, the mass kind of intelligence of things and using that to find a way forward. So I feel like there's a weird tension there of kind of like the individual and difference versus the crowd. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's an interesting time to have that philosophy. 
super interesting, so, Carrie. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm really, really, really excited to actually hear your point of view because, uh, you know, I guess me and Max are always beavering away on the e-commerce side, but actually um, the creative side and sort of the sort of the advertising point of it um, is actually going to have such a big reshuffle. So really excited to see what, uh, what you guys are doing. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's definitely... This, I mean, I've been in the industry, yeah, for eight years, but this feels like the biggest kind of reshuffle moment that I've seen. And it's just, I think, interestingly, if you look at kind of where things have gone, like the last 20 years, all the technological shift have been on kind of like, kind of like the supply side of things. So like, what kind of platforms you're showing up on? How do you reach people? How do you use consumer data and first party data and things like that? But actually, this is the first time we've got technology influencing the, the creation of the adverts itself and the kind of creativity side, which feels like quite a fundamental change. Um, so, yeah, so it's really exciting to kind of be at this moment in time, I guess. Yeah. And I'd love to get into how it's disrupting the workflows you mentioned, Harry. But first, maybe bearing in mind a lot of our uh, listeners are kind of e-commerce sellers. How, how do like the top end brands that you've worked with, how do they think about advertising before? um ai you know a year or two ago what what was the process that you help people with yeah sure so i think like the biggest struggle for these big brands is finding kind of consistency and distinctiveness so these huge brands turn up in every kind of platform in every kind of space in consumers lives they often get very complicated we have kind of sub products we have different markets and different kind of needs and all these kind of things and so there's lots of kind of messaging to balance, but within that, you've got to find the consistency that when you show up, you know immediately oh, that's Ikea, that kind of completely sounds like in my tone of voice, that's that kind of take all wild, that kind of thing. And so I think the job of the good advertising agency is helping brands navigate all this stuff to make it feel easy and kind of intuitive that actually when your brand shows up there, it very naturally feels part of how your brand is. And when it shows up over there, it still fits the kind of platform and the new space it's in, but it still feels part of the same brand. And so I guess finding that kind of consistency across all these different spaces, across all these different kind of ways of communication um, is the challenge. And that's kind of been the hardest thing the last decade or so, is that there's so many kind of exploding new places to show up. How do you keep a brand feeling consistent? Uh, so that's probably where most, I'd say, marketers' heads are at, that kind of challenge. Mm. And so how how has um, AI actually disrupted the workflow in terms of what you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I'd say, in an advertising sense, we're kind of in a cowboy period. Like, nothing's been very formalized, nothing's very fixed. And so basically, all I know is just kind of the kind of experimental stuff that me and my colleagues have been kind of getting up to. Like, we haven't been taught anything, we're just kind of like winging it, using these tools, because they're just so, I mean, firstly, they're so intuitive. So it's very easy to just actually just try things out, see how it works for you, see if it doesn't. So like a few things I think are really interesting is that actually, if, if for us as an agency, our whole thing is built on difference and making different advertising, AI is actually a really useful uh, tool to understand what's currently out there, what are you pushing against, what's the sameness, what are the tropes you're pushing against? Mm. There's something we've been kind of working with. It's like this idea of using AI to build like the most like conventional trophy adverts. So you can show a client, you know, this is what everyone expects you to do. This is, you know, 
if you're doing advertising on autopilot, this is what you'll produce. I mean, it's a really good way to actually kind of keep you honest to go actually, okay, so that's the base level six out of 10. How do we do something that's actually interesting and different? Um, I actually prepared something for you, if you want to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do it. Uh, which is like, so it's just a useful way. I think it's a good tool. You feed into ChatGPT, basically the brief, right? That the client gives you and you go, okay, so this is how a robot would tackle your brief. Uh, so the brief I gave ChatGPT was write an inspiring TV commercial for an American bank that wants to be seen as trustworthy. Quite a classic kind of brief, to be honest. Everyone's trying to build trust, but it's a very difficult thing to do, especially through kind of communication. You know, if you say, trust me, I'm trustworthy, <laughs> not really enough, right? Yeah. So it's an interesting challenge. Uh, so this is what the robot came up with. We open with a warm, picturesque view of a small American town with a rising sun, casting a golden glow over the landscape. A close-up of a bank building with a friendly teller at the window greeting a customer. In the heart of America, there's a bank that believes in the power of trust. Cut to a father teaching his daughter to save money, placing coins into a piggy bank. Cut to a young couple receiving keys to their new home from a real estate agent. The eraser comes back in. Trust is more than just a word to us. It's the foundation of every dream, every aspiration. A quick moving montage of scenes showcasing happy customers, families buying homes, entrepreneurs starting businesses, people shaking hands. Narrator, at, insert bank name, we are not the bank. We're your partners in financial security. From your first savings account to financing your future. We've been here for generations, earning your trust every step of the way. Because, at, insert bank name, trust is built one handshake at a time. We close on a final uplifting shot of a small American town with a bank at its centre, under the clear blue sky. A close-up of a bank's logo shining brightly. Insert bank name where trust builds dreams. I would I sign it. up for insert bank name. <laughs> I mean, they are really, really trustworthy. Yeah. Um, but actually, I wanted to ask you, Harry, because this is this is uh, like just a question that's popped to my head. So um, here's here's a little bit of a challenge for you. Like I, I completely get how AI would be awesome in terms of you know um kind of getting these benchmarks and, and using it for a lot of inspiration but part of my problem with ai is as well is that it um it's all fed based off previous data it's all based off previous creation and so in a sense it's it, it can it can enable creativity but it can also turn creativity into like a complete cliche i mean but sorry to say but is, as much as this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, Harry's so like, point. It's like it's it's com AI is if I'm getting it, understanding you right, Harry. Like it's completely cliched, and therefore you're using this to kind of say, this is okay. Cliche answer. We're going to do something which is completely different. Like is that is that is that kind yeah, of? Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, it's like a cliche machine. It just kind of yeah. spits them out. Um, yeah, which is really helpful because yeah, we all kind and of recognize cliches, but it's quite you know. I think this is like super, like it's super translatable in the e-commerce space where like, you know, like uh, I'm imagining you put in like um, you're listening into chat GPT and you're going to just get like the same boring kind of that kind of bank in middle America with various people shaking hands and smiling. And it, uh, yeah, uh, I completely get the point, which is it doesn't do anything for anyone. And I think um, 
like going a level deeper technically like i know these models are basically like completely sanitized because the biggest worry that open ai or anyone else has is what if we say something which is like horribly offensive or racist like or whatever and therefore like all this stuff like I saw I saw something on Twitter on uh, which I can't quite remember, but like the amount of compute which is going just to like sanitize these answers and like this the safety layer that these companies are putting on. But, like you're right, like you you need to be like if you want to be using AI, um, you need to be using something where you've kind of got that unleashed and you've built something um, special for for the use case. If you're just going to be kind of trotting out what ChatGPT gives you. It's 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 going to be really samey and 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 dull. Yeah, you definitely I mean, have to. Go. Then... Sorry, 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 sorry. No, no, you go, you go, you go. I just wanted to say, like, uh, I think to an extent you can in introduce more randomness in the model in terms of what you actually get, mm. but uh, in essence, like, yeah, there is the obviously the the problem is the constant moderation and like what essentially the preset. Is is already sort of like loaded up in the model, and so that's the yeah. that's the bit that is actually difficult to like get around, which is this PCness. That's a really interesting point because I think something we're learning as well is you can throw AI off balance a little bit, and that makes it that kind of introducing randomness. I think is really interesting. So like, if you say write this, you know, write about the new banana that's just been released. But in the style of Don Draper, or write about the new banana, give me 10 paradoxes about the new Samsung flip phone, whatever. And just like pushing the AI so it's not answering straight and it's trying to work out what's a paradox, what's unusual about this, mm. or how would I do it in the voice of a character. Find it's really helpful actually, because it kind of throws it slightly off balance. And so you get a slightly less cliched answer. Um, mm. so yeah, that's quite an interesting the idea of introducing randomness. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. So Harry, so the first way you you're doing also, this, you can also do it. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on, go on. I'm just really good at, at uh, interrupting people, so I'm gonna stop doing that. <laughs> so am I, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I was, I was just gonna say. So you, I, I'm guessing, like, what the first way you said this is like revolutionising your workflow is you're going to customers and you're saying, look at this, like standard boring starting point. We're gonna go like completely left of center here. Which is super interesting. Is there is there any other ways that this is like this is disrupting kind of the creative industries? Yeah, I mean all sorts of ways. I think like I think like one thing is just it's a very it sounds stupid, but it, it's just like having a second version of Google. Uh, I use obviously Google all the time, but like it's just it's just an interesting way because actually you can ask it questions that are kind of slightly uh, abstract, like. I don't know, who is the celebrity who's been in a, a soda commercial where they're playing against the thing they're famous for being or something? You know, something like very like particular where you're trying mm. to find a, a precedent in marketing to use to a client in an argument or even just inspiration or whatever. Those kind of weird questions where if you Google it, you just won't get anything because it's too yeah. natural. Um, and so traditionally, that is what you'd give a, a junior strategist I'm going to probably spend an afternoon losing my mind on the internet trying to work this thing out. Um, but AI can just do it. I think it just has the ability to kind of stretch and see, understand a question in a slightly more human way than a search engine can do. And so that kind of thing, I think, is really liberating because 
I can, because there's no real cost to it because it's such a quick thing and I'm not I don't feel guilty that I'm wasting someone's afternoon searching up Ryan Gosling's whatever you know I'm not kind of doing that you can basically just go down all these different rabbit holes with very little cost to yourself or the agency and so I find that kind of ability to just like pursue things and pursue strange ideas is just incredibly helpful um so that's been really liberating And can I ask? Uh, actually, uh, I wanted to like uh, this is this is something that I've uh, always wondered. Obviously, a lot of in terms of stakeholder empowerment, a lot of companies are now in, like enthusiastically kind of motivating people. Okay, use AI, like use ChatGPT, whatever. Do you, try to figure out ways to to use it in your day to day. But I'm wondering, like uh, agencies like BBH, do they actually invest in building their own AI systems where, for example, they uh, scan all of the library of previous advertising to actually find interesting patterns or insights from that on? Because obviously this is a really powerful library of, of information that any agency would have. And that can actually be used in the future, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. That's a really, and there's definitely a big, race to do that because it's a huge advantage if you can be the first person to really crack that um we're part of a broader holder company holding company who are definitely doing lots of that kind of stuff uh, i don't know enough about it to really talk about it without really kind of getting in trouble but i can answer because I, I funnily enough um one one of my angel investors is uh, is is in marketing, like in in the ads world. And I spent a bit of time talking to, like, not BBH but similar competitors about like this is in twenty twenty, like early twenty twenty three. So just right at the start of this, and I think they kind of like I know some agencies have built AI agencies, but from from what what I like follow from them, like they built like mini like Harry, I don't know, I don't know BBH, but maybe a competitor, they've got like an AI agency in that in the house. But they just don't have like technical talent to do this is so rare mm -hmm. and expensive. Like they they don't have that, right? Like you you know, to find the people who are gonna be able to like LLMs have been no one was working with LLMs in 2020 one right and now suddenly everyone wants an expert in 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 these places and the talent is like in perplexity open ai you know bard mics like and and even there they can't they can't hire them so i i don't like from what i've seen i think the the industry isn't really like able to really go to that level but i, I don't know harry like maybe, maybe you guys have found a way of you know coaxing some of these people out of uh you know their their nine hundred thousand uh, dollar yeah. <laughs> um, open ai income from the vvh to, to train some models uh i mean it sounds unlikely but maybe we have <laughs> i don't know it's above <laughs> the <paper> max <laughs> so joe like you i you know as you know i'm a big fan of your newsletter um you you were talking <laughs> about advertising in an ai in in one of the uh in one of the um uh one of the latest ones do you, do you want to go go into a bit about that and and like what, yeah. what you're mentioning so one of one of the things that i read recently and i posted about in the newsletter is um actually meta coming out and saying that with all of their new ai tools that they have integrated in their platforms 
um, they've seen a significant increase in conversion rate, um, essentially campaigns being much more efficient in terms of the creation and just the entire cycle of um, sort of that part of online social media marketing has, it seems like it's really changing up things. Now, obviously, this is not something that is so widely taken over by lots of advertisers yet. So this is coming from Meta. Of course, they're going to say it's great. But um, I guess, yeah, the question is like, have you already started seeing, Harry, um, I guess, in these kind of like more palpable improvements in performance, let's say, from a digital marketing perspective, when you use AI as part of it, your creative strategy? Yeah, um, it's, a it's a really good question. So we've seen, I think you can see clear improvements in efficiency. Um, but effectiveness is actually quite challenging to measure in marketing, mm. definitely over short term, mm. because you've got to see the whole picture in terms of what you're doing for your brand. And so if you had AI content that was very quick to produce um, and seems to be driving clicks or engagements with sales or whatever you're trying to, whatever your metrics are, you've also got to factor in what it's doing long term for the brand, because it might short term be very effective, but actually it's making your brand look cheap or it's making your brand looking very similar to one of your competitors. And so actually long term, you're kind of, you know, you're uh, diminishing your returns essentially. And so that is something we're still kind of trying to gauge and get a sense of. Um, and I think fundamentally we've got to stick to like our philosophy, which is the idea that kind of difference will pay off in the, in the long run. And so kind of having a distinct place in the market will always pay off. And so whether it's using AI or not using AI, I think sticking to that philosophy of understanding that you're going to grow a business by having a very clear, distinct point of view in that category is really mm. helpful. So yeah, efficiency-wise, we've definitely seen, you know, in terms of both actually the marketing you're putting out, but also just the way we work, you know, you have designers who could be spending all day designing something, can now mock something up in three minutes which is just crazy. That's like the invention of the steam train. Like it's just such an in insane kind of leap. Mm. Um, so that's really interesting. But yeah, in terms of like long-term effectiveness, it's a much more slippery fish uh, to kind of get a sense of. So yeah, so wait and see, I think. I have a question. I have a question. I'm going to say it now before I interrupt everyone. So I'm raising my hand. I, I actually am really excited to, to know this. So. I, in my old days, when I just graduated from university, I had a, a brief stint in, as uh, an intern as part of an advertising agency. It's a curious fact for you. And um, so I know a little bit about the structure in terms of how advertising agencies work. And obviously you have the account managers and then obviously you have the creative team. Now I'm, I'm very curious because this point about um, essentially AI enabling everyone to have uh, sort of their creative vision mocked up regardless whether they have any creative previous experience is really amazing. Like, you know, uh, sometimes like, uh, you know, I have really lots of ideas, but before I couldn't actually show them. And now you have something like mid journey, which is able to spit something close to what you imagine. So in terms of the functions of the different roles within the creative agency was, has there been a shift? So have, for example, more, uh, of the account team started trying to translate what they are taking from the client and they're envisaging to the creative team and it, has there been any sort of clashes from that? 
That's really interesting. That's really yeah, interesting. great question. Um, yeah, I think so. And I think it's only going to get better. But it's, you're right, because actually, so uh, agencies are basically, as you said, split into two kind of broad things for people on the outside who might not know about it. We've got kind of creatives who are obviously brilliant and very good at their jobs, but they're, they're essentially creatives. And so you're, you're dealing with a personality type who, I guess, view the world in a way that's quite different to the account managers who are very much more structured and all about kind of relationships and timelines and that kind of stuff. So two very different ways of thinking about the world. And so I guess sometimes issues occur when you're trying to bridge the gap between those two kind of ways of thinking. And so I think you're right. I think like tools like ChatGPT or MidJourney, you suddenly give the more uh, kind of you know, rational thinking people the tools to communicate. You almost give them the creative language so they can express things. Even like I know some creatives who just kind of think visually, which as like a words person, I find my quite mind blowing to be honest. I find it hard to get my head around that. But using Midjourney, you can give them you can give them a brief in a visual sense and they'll get it. And that would never be available to you without that technology. So it's kind of it is really interesting. It's like getting like um, you know the fish of Babel. It's like it's like a way of actually getting people to talk to each other across kind of that divide. Yeah, which I think is really exciting. So you've been, you know, you're kind of democratizing uh, creativity a little bit. And I, I've actually mm. seen this in e-content, right, I've, which is amazing. I've seen like prompt engineers who, you know, we basically have a team prompt engineers who generate images uh, for potential customers. And we have a sales team go out and like send them to the customer like, hey, look, you can do any content. And the prompt engineers are like writing sales scripts. They're like, because they've got chat GPT. So these are not technical, you know, these are not like, commercial salesy people but they're like you know literally saw it this morning like why don't you try this why don't you try this script if it's working better which i think is great you know like you're getting you know i think it's working both ways you're getting non-creative people expressing ideas and you're getting like technical people being like well what about you know this that and the other so i think i think it's a it's a really cool benefit um but yeah harry obviously there's drawbacks um you know as, as there is with everything in life um so you know what 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 have you noticed that people should be watching out for what are, what are the drawbacks here um i mean the one that worries me like in a professional sense existential mm -hmm. i've got bigger in, ones. in, a, in, a, in a professional <laughs> sense please. Yeah. in a professional sense <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a professional sense like i do worry about um people in the first three years of their career maybe i think it's, you know, you learn so much of your job by doing uh, donkey work and just kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. stuff that isn't time efficient. You know, learning isn't a time efficient exercise. It takes, you have to kind of do that kind of grueling stuff. You have to do stuff which feels kind of pointless sometimes because that is, do, that is generally how you learn through that repetition, through pursuing things that are pointless. And so, and also, you know, managing and like helping someone learn is also something that takes up a lot of time. And so with AI, obviously you can cut out a lot of that time expended and it feels good for the business, it feels good for the manager, but you are severely you know, limiting someone's exposure below you. And so I do worry a little bit about actually what is gonna, what work and opportunity is gonna come to most junior people in an organization, in any organization really, in these kind of like white collar jobs. Um, 
So yeah, so I think that's an interesting challenge. I think they'll like short term, there'll be a few junior people who can like ride the AI wave where like, you know, for maybe C-suite don't understand anything about it. But if you're like 22 and you get it and you found an interesting way to use this to your advantage, you could probably go up quite quickly yeah. in meetings you'd never normally be allowed to be in. That kind of stuff. So there's opportunity for a few people, I think. But generally- they're following Joe's newsletter and oh, yeah. into- <laughs> yeah that is a top tip um yeah generally i do worry about that kind of like uh full in kind of education of like hands-on learning um yeah so i I, i'll put the i'll put the counterpoint out to this um which is if you even look at search which is like something that i'm thinking about a lot now because we have amazon just launching uh rufus and the rest of it and we talked, we touched on this last week, but you have, you know, for, for, for decades, you only basically had Google. And now you have Google, you have Bing, you have Perplexity AI, which is, which is a fantastic, you know, fantastic tool. You have you, which are doing, so like, I think AI enables so many different ways. And you have Arc as well, who do kind of like, uh, like I, I came across them the other day, they do like search query straight to answer. So like there's no results, there's no conversation. It's just AI. You put in the question and up up the answer. And imagine like, you know, over time, it's going to get really good at just giving you exactly what you want without even like having to read anything. So like it's um there's like, there's so much innovation that is powering. I think we're going to see a real um, flattening of, you know, hopefully not as many monoliths or, you know, and, and like single companies dominating and therefore like people working in like across lots of different industries. Um, Joe, what, what do you think? I actually like it, something that you just said really rang a, a bell for me and like an uncomfortable bell. Um, this, this is really worrying if you think, if you really think about it, the fact that we will just have one, like, like we will type in a query and the ai would somehow just pick like pick one thing that is going to show us and this will be the thing that we will take as the actual truth how crazy it is that like you know we will be essentially uh, getting the answer that the ai would want us to want to show us right so at the moment we have this kind of democracy of of information to an extent i mean obviously you can go deeper down the rabbit hole but you know you go onto google or whatever search engine you are and you scroll and scroll and scroll and through the scrolling you decide what you actually want to read and um now we're going to have an ai that points us exactly towards the, the thing that it thinks that we want to read and so it, it's first there's so many problems about this like firstly like do i really want to trust the ai to tell me what i want to read and is this really the answer that i'm looking for secondly it's exactly the same thing with the spotify ai which basically puts me into this pool of exactly the same songs i've been listening for the last 10 years and i never discover anything new which is um yeah you basically end up reading the same information you never get inspired by anything new because it's so tailored and customized to you towards your needs that you just get the same flavor that you would normally want to read. So you, we're gonna all become really boring shit people. I mean, oh man, like this was depressing. Thanks, Max. <laughs> it triggered. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I agree in some senses that I like. I was actually watching the arc demo. You should watch it after. It's quite interesting. And I was thinking, I don't want this because, like, yeah, you're right. I don't, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be told. I don't want it to direct me to something. I, 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 I actually, I prefer like the perplexity way where they give you the paragraph and they give you like the different like six references. Um, but anyway, I, I, my, my point more was, I think there's going to be a lot of different ways of, of, of doing stuff. Um, whereas, you know, we've had big companies like Facebook dominating, uh, you know, all social media. I think if we roll forward 10, 20 years, maybe we'll have like lots of fragmented things, which I think is good rather than bad. Um, but I do, I do agree with the point that AI, like uh, six companies or whatever it is, building models that determine how humans like think and find stuff is, is, is bad. Um, yeah, I do think, I mean, culturally, I do think there's been a shift towards, like, summation. Like, I think we just all love things being wrapped up into, like, a single, unnuanced take every time. Like, even myself, I just found, like, I now read articles, but sometimes I just skip straight to the comments, which is just kind of mental, but I'm just trying to get, like, a mm -hmm. summation of just this whole fucking thing into, like, just a very, like, pithy, like, what is the takeout from it? And I think that is quite, like, an AI... I think AI feeds into that mindset, that need to actually boil everything down. It's just one single takeaway that everyone can have. And that is the correct black or white kind of answer on something, rather than kind of a world of nuance and things being kind of complicated and contextual and stuff. So yeah, anyway, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So Harry, when we talked uh, last week, you mentioned a really interesting disadvantage kind of on a more tactical level, um, which I had not thought of before um, around around mid-journey and, and privacy. Do you, want to, do you want to go into a bit of that? Yeah, so this is kind of what I was saying about like, we're in this kind of cowboy stage where people are still trying mm. to work, figure things out. So I was working on a pitch um, about six months ago and um, I was on mid-journey just generally and I, I was like, oh, it'd be interesting to search for this particular brand. It was not particularly, it's the type of brand where no one's going to be really doing stuff on it in their spare time you know it's very very dull to be honest um so I looked at mid-journey just curious to see who would type in this brand name and weirdly there were because it's kind of public there were loads and loads and loads of results and they're all so specific and they're all in the last week or something and so essentially it's a window into what the other agencies were designing so their designers were using mid-journey to tackle this pitch Mm. so suddenly i was snooping and all this stuff and like they were putting the brand, brand into space they were doing things with snoop dog like i could very clearly see <laughs> i could very clearly see what the other agencies were exploring for this brand and like that was just fascinating because suddenly you think mm. obviously they don't realize that it's not a private platform they're using and suddenly you just kind of see all the implications of this and kind of the fact that we're all kind of learning together how to use these technologies it's actually kind of scary and you know you're taking uh brands you know we're meant to be kind of stewards of brands and you're kind of endangering them by throwing them into these places without really consideration um but yeah i mean bbh and the holding group we're under have like a very own private mid-journey thingy i think well, you've got you've got mid-journey pro do you mid -journey pro. so it's all <laughs> stewardship's fine you can sleep easy yeah, um, out of interest, who, did you win the pitch or did they win the pitch? We did win the pitch, yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, well, well, after all. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's a really interesting point, and it, like it's a very kind of like tactical point to a wider point, which is 
who owns this data that that, that you're putting into AI models? Um, and if it's a pub, like if it's a public model, uh, you know, if you're working with ChatGPT or whatever to develop your brand, are you suddenly going to get, you know, assuming that ninety percent of the internet in in four years becomes AI generated, and the only human generated stuff is what people put into these ChatGPT? Are you going to suddenly get like your things that you've been writing on if you're on a free version uh, and playing around with it as a company uh, in that training data set that your competitors are that, like when they're pulling ideas? Um, and the answer probably is yes to, to, to that question. Um, but yeah, Joe, any, 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 any final things about disadvantages before maybe we move on to some advantages to stop being so, uh, you know, doomsday about it? No. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay to be doomed today about it because I think like, you know, the more we think about these things, the more there is there is awareness. I think it's really important that we are aware about the risk of all of us becoming mm. really dull and live in a, a, a world of dull content because everyone's so lazy, right? So, I mean, this is, this is why I think actually um, creative agencies will have a golden opportunity because it's really the creativity the really the new fresh ideas that are going to make ma massive difference to everything that we consume because you know the people who don't invest in good advertising and like human-made advertising are going to just basically churn the same shit content so i think it's it's important to know what good looks like and what it doesn't um but yeah no let's let's get positive so what are the advantages no, we talked about advantages. We talk, we? Yeah, so we talked we talk about, we talk about some of the advantages yeah. in terms of enabling issue different um, and, yeah, kind of the exploration. So may, maybe we should talk about some costs. So um, I saw, again, like, uh, it's interesting that you talked a lot about this stuff, uh, advertising your newsletter this week. It's quite good for, you know, preparing for the podcast. So, Joe, I saw in your newsletter you said that you think this is going to increase the cost of for, for brands. Yeah. Um, so do you want to do you want to explain why? Because uh, you know oh. I, I have a different view. But go on. Fine. Okay. Well, you're already putting me on the back foot because you're already gonna be like you know <laughs> like you know you always do that you always do that you like let me go first and then you go into like a, a completely well thought about debating point that completely anyway. So why is it gonna get more expensive? <laughs> Um, firstly, running AI is really, really expensive. Um, you have, firstly, very expensive chips, uh, very expensive costs to actually maintaining all of this data, to train the models, very expensive um, is because of also water um, usage. I don't know if many people know about this, but AI models needs ton of water. I think I read a stat, which was half a year ago, so maybe it's improved, but about half a year ago, uh, a sort of a, an average uh, ChatGPT query uh, requires uh, half a liter of water or like five messages. Wow. It was something really small that. and that requires five. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we should all feel very guilty when we well, what, chat what are they shit doing with ChatGPT. The are they just, you know, throwing it at some, some engineer somewhere? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the poor engineers that are actually answering all of uh, our queries. There is no chat. <laughs> it's just a bunch of people getting dehydrated. No, it's um, huh? Do you know what they're actually doing with it? 
just out of curiosity? All the yeah, so they're, they're cooling down. They're cooling oh, yeah. down um, all, of the, yeah, all of the machinery, right? Um, mm -hmm. So this is the very technical way to explain it, but it's fine. You guys understand. Um, so this yeah, it's, it's very expensive from that. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's very expensive from that point of view. Um, but the, the sort of the second kind of more, um, I guess the, the newer way to think about cost is because is, is the way AI models are going to reshape our um, consumer behavior and um, how we actually search for products. So, you know, Rufus Duffus came out yesterday or so. It's basically the new, um, the new way Amazon allows people to, to interact with the Amazon environment and search for products and get like insight into what is the best product and what are the best features. Uh, Google is obviously rolling out their uh, search generative experience, which is similar thing where you don't actually search for a keyword, you search for product. Uh, Walmart did the same thing. So the point is, as consumers, we are not going to go and search for a keyword and then search for another one until we find the right thing um, and click through a lot of advertising throughout that. We're going to essentially um, go through a, almost like a chat experience where we would get a curated list of um, results. And within that, there will be far less browsing and far more curated advertising done from the respective search engine, whether it's Amazon or Google or whatever. And in this, in this mindset, what we need to understand is that the actual advertising slots that will be available will be significantly reduced because at the end of the yeah. day, you, you don't get four slots anymore, you get maybe one or two specifically tailored by that um, engine. So we will probably get a significant reduction in the, the search space. I don't know about other platforms, but the search space, I think, is going to get reduced. That was a monologue, so I'm going to stop now. Max, go on. Yeah. Tell me. Well, Tell me why I'm wrong. Harry, <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts? That, like, so, Well, I'd say on, on the search... I agree with everything you said, apart from I, I just feel that if, if people are currently spending like, um, you know, like 8% of their revenue or something on, on PPC, right, or whatever, whatever it is, some, something like something, something around that number, I just don't think that PPC is going to make up such a big budget anymore. I, I just think with new LLMs, mm -hmm. um, like quality content is going to be more important uh, and you know, PPC pay-per-click ads is is just going to kind of fade away into something that it feels though twenty twenty, you know, twenty fifteen um, eventually is 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 my view. But how what like in terms of you know the kind of more strategic types of advertising that you deal with, what what do you think is going to happen on the cost side? Um, so I think for costs are going to have to base. So agencies are built on time. So you get a agency and it's all timesheets. So you pay for like 20 hours of a creative director, 10 hours of a strategist a week, that kind of thing. And so actually, I think AI is going to fundamentally change how all these agencies are set up because I don't think you can, you can bill on time anymore when it takes two minutes mm. to yeah. mock up a design or something. So the, So everything's going to get massively compressed which is going to cause like a fundamental shift in actually how agency models work and how they how they survive essentially. 
Um, so essentially, I think, I mean, this might be too inside baseball, but I think agencies are going to have to start selling on output. So mm-hmm. start selling on adverts versus selling on time, which actually could be a very good thing because you could then potentially start selling advertising to brands based on how effective it is. And you directly tie, you know, if this advert sells you this many Beanie, baby, beanie Babies, we'll get this amount of money per year from you, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's maybe too of a niche, geeky answer. But, like, in terms of kind of how it's going to affect us as an agency's world, it's going to have to shift to selling on output, mm-hmm. uh, which will basically, I think it's going to be a, a big crush. And you'll see lots of mediocre agencies fold because I don't think they can survive under that shift, potentially. Um, so, yeah. So, I think, I think Joe, you're saying, like, a few, for people who can do it well and could do actually a kind of interesting creativity, might do quite well at this new AI landscape, but I think there's going to be a lot of terrible advertising as well. And so there's going to be a bit more of a divide. So there'll be a few kind of like bespoke agencies that do well. There'll be a lot that kind of just wither, the kind of middle ones will wither. And then the bad cheap ones are going to kind of get by and be fine. It'll be high see it. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it actually reminds me, as you know, I've just come back from being in the Bay uh, for a few months and kind of the big discussion there is that traditionally um, SaaS companies would pay would bill per seat, right? So you'd have some software, maybe you have Airtable, you'd sell it to a company, they'd get five people on, it would work well, you expand it to 50, expand it to 100, you expand it to that, and that's how you become like a you know multi-million dollar company. But now, like the whole point of AI is that you don't need a lot of people and you need, and it should be increasing their efficiency. So like this whole, um, I mean, it's exactly the same, like not, not in terms of the time hours, but like this whole like per seat model, which is basically how a lot of, you know, companies are built. Um, think like, uh, you know, Google Drive or like, you know, m- most companies will pay, will bill on a seat level. That's, that's dead now because the point is you have less people, you make them like a hundred times more effective with your service, which you should do. And therefore like, why on earth would you expand? You're not going to expand the service to put anyone else on it because it should be done by with, with one or two. So it's, um, yeah, this, um, this new like business models are super interesting and what, what was being discussed mm-hmm. and it, I'd, I'd love to see if it actually, when it happens is basically you charge them like a premium for your service and then you charge them the tokens back, like the open AI tokens, the stable diffusion tokens. So like, that's kind of like what people are thinking and may, maybe it's a really fair way of doing it. And you just say like, use as much tokens as you want we're just going to build that back to you plus we're going to charge you two thousand dollars a month for like our creativeness and whatever else that we've we've like we've we've created for you with this SaaS tool that's cool so what's going to happen to the people Well, the people will all be, um, well, I mean, what I, what I hope will happen is that everyone will be starting their own companies, either like, um, we discussed this on the last episode, but like, you're soon going to have like text of product. So people just like dreaming up a e-commerce product, building it with, with low, you know, low, low cost involved, selling that, maybe even drop shipping it. So you don't even need to sell anything up front. And be like, I, I hope that everyone's going to be doing their own like micro kind of business stuff. Uh, in the best case scenario, in the worst case scenario, uh, revolution. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. What, what do you think? Hey, revolution is not always the worst, you know. After revolution, mm. something new comes up. But, um, but yeah, no, I think it's gonna, it's going to be 
not an easy time i think for all of us actually like you know i think there is going to be so much such a big reshuffle in terms of you know the world where like how we grew up with like you know how uh work as general concept is done um and i think there will be probably quite a i mean i don't want to be pessimist but i think ai can bring a lot of good but i think it's going to have to bring a lot of very fast innovation to compensate for all of the people who would lose their jobs. Um, I mean, you can already see it, what's happening with the news industry. There is, it's, it's, really, it's really scary. And it's also very scary, again, back to the point about, you know, uh, like content quality, um, just um, objective uh, journalism, et cetera. If you, if you actually follow the news, and pay close attention people should be disturbed that a lot of news corporations are lose like basically cutting entire de departments and replacing it with ai so i think as much as i am all up for ai i think people should pay attention and like you know not just be like yay it's great because this is going to reverberate and we're all going to feel it fairly soon so yeah uh, Right. <laughs> so, Harry, uh, we, we're coming to the 15 minutes, so we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Two more questions for you. Okay. Uh, well, one more question, which is uh, for the e-commerce sellers listening, um, you know, who think about branding, any advice that, that you have, you know, having worked with some of the biggest brands out there that, that you could tell someone who, I don't know, maybe is running a million to 10 million kind of revenue business? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So I guess I think you've essentially just got to think like, what does your brand offer that other brands do not? And there might there might not be a difference. And so then you just have to think, okay, what can I what can I kind of engineer and how can I pull myself apart from the others in some way? And most of it, I think it should feel I think you can tell when a brand's kind of like artificially trying to create difference. I think it should always feel kind of organic and kind of something within the brand, within the way you set up, within the story of sleeping on the mm. floor, whatever it is. I think you can kind of like, there has to be some kind of basis of truth, but you can then exaggerate essentially. So you, sim you simplify your brand down in some very core essence. And when you exaggerate what you've simplified is kind of the crux of it, I think. Um, so yeah, so I mean that's a very generic answer, but it's quite hard to answer for millions of businesses. <laughs> but that is what no, I, I think it's a, I think it's a super I think it's a very interesting answer. Um, so yeah, I, I mean I hope people listening found that useful. Um, okay, so we'll wrap up with with a quick five round. Um, so just a sentence or two answer on this one, Harry. So first question is your favorite AI tool uh mid journey i think actually because what joe was saying like, i just love i've always like i love art and stuff but i've just always been so crap at it like i really can't draw at all and yeah. so like having... I, remember, I remember yeah. the various <laughs> paintings of your dad you did and i can testify that yeah yeah that was a weird phase <laughs> uh yeah so but that is like, it's, I, I think it's so cool to be able to like turn words mm. and some random thought into like a creation and especially now, I think like maybe like a year ago, all mid-journey stuff kind of looked the same and it kind of had this weird flat affect to it. Whereas yeah. now like, you can properly do just all these such interesting styles and stuff. 
so I love that. It, it feels like I've unlocked a new thing. Like I can, you know, it's just cool. I've got a new talent. There's not really talent. Nice. Favorite custom GPT? Uh, I don't know if I have one. <laughs> What's your favorite custom GPT? Oh, I would get in trouble if I said, oh, um, I, I definitely, okay, I'm not going to say my favorite one, um, but uh, those listening, go to my Twitter and you'll see it. Uh, but my second favorite one is um, the data analyst one. So, uh, uh, ChatGPT have released um, themselves, like uh, you can basically drop in data and ask it questions, and it is pretty good at kind of pulling out graphs and pie charts and the rest of it. So it's it's almost like having a data scientist on your team in terms of visualization and this kind of stuff. So super, super useful for someone who isn't gifted at Excel, which I'm not. Like when I was at Amazon, I used to get one of the guys I managed what? to basically do it. Um, hey, no, I'm not good at Excel. We need to talk about this. We need to have a little <laughs> crash course in Excel because it's unacceptable for to say yeah. something publicly. I'm, I'm okay. Um, I've got better, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not an expert. I kind of, but yeah, so that would be one of my favorite ones. Um, Joe, do you want to do you want to give one? Even though this is Harry's quick fire round. Yeah, it's really not a quick fire, guys. It's very um, slow. <laughs> it's a slow quick fire. Uh, I found one which is fantastic. It's um, I, I can't remember the name. I'm really shit with names. Uh, it basically I can give it any page that I want, and I can ask it like to scrape the data of that page, to scrape the text of that page. Like I, I tested on e-content, by the way, today. Um, I um, like you can you can ask it to summarize. You can ask it questions. So anything that you need from a page, and you can give it many. Like it, it takes it. So it's cool. Very cool. That's cool. Okay, last quick five question, Harry. Uh, AI net benefit or not for humanity? Fuck it out. Okay, so nice. No, <laughs> <laughs> Very quick fire. Very quick. Fire on that one. Um, uh, I mean, it depends what you define by humanity, really. Like, because like, it's gonna, it's gonna really screw a lot of people up. Um, Next so, humanity, everyone, eight everyone. billion, nine billion people in the world. Yeah. Weirdly, so I think it's. I think it might be it's getting i'm gonna say that benefit this friday yeah so i think probably what, what, i'm gonna hire but like it could really get us out of a few holes but it could also dig far deeper holes yeah. so it's kind of my top line of thought on that um, yeah i mean i don't know if this is what you're thinking but as you're thinking that i was wondering if you're gonna say net benefit for maybe like the bottom four four billion people net cost for the top four billion you know potentially is like the white collar jobs that in your in your advertising agencies and whatnot go away but then if you're you know sitting in I don't know. Bangladesh you've got your personal tutor I mean that's you know brilliant things, for your personal health care things very rarely you know they very rarely that's work cool. that way doesn't it? it normally everyone gets screwed at the bottom so yes. Who knows? Yeah. Now that is an interesting conversation. Much more interesting than e-commerce. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I so, say yeah, it's probably net benefit to the top 0.4% or whatever. Yeah, no, I the top I zero point the Sam Altman's, yeah, obviously yeah. net always they're always winning. But I wonder 
I don't I don't know like um we once had a, a, a history teacher who always said like the history is is the story of like the struggle of the the top the you know the upper classes and the lower classes against the middle classes and like basically if you look at every single um event take trump take brexit take whatever you want to take it's going to have like the people at the very top and the lower classes kind of against them like the liberal middle class kind of thing and like maybe ai is, is exactly the same story as as french revolution and everything else where you have like this middle class you know like one one of one or two of those people win normally and maybe this is one where the middle classes get absolutely obliterated the people who didn't have healthcare and didn't have education like great for them and then obviously the the barons at the top uh you know it, it's good for them as well maybe <laughs> yeah let's say that <laughs> cool um so i guess we're at the hour so harry thanks so much for coming been a real pleasure to talk to thanks you for having me. it's very cool to talk to you guys this is like a whole new world to me so yeah so it's very exciting what you're doing and yeah thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you next week to go uh, a much more in-depth conversation about llms uh in search um so yeah excited for that cool have a good weekend <laughs>